We are doing a one-part message here today called Four Swipes to the Right. And if you were here on the last day of 2017, on New Year's Eve, then you know we began a series that day called 2018. And it was all about vision for the coming year. And so we started to talk about this idea of this vision being that we would ask God to move in power in 2018. That we would just make it our prayer and make it our aim to see God show up and do the impossible, be it heal somebody, save somebody, rescue a relationship that's fallen apart, whatever it might be, we would just want to see God do huge things this year in our lives, our church, and our community. So we're about three months into that right now, okay? And some of you have come up to me and said, like, I got to tell you, I've been praying these last three months and I've seen God do some great things. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm so thankful for that. That's incredible. But there's also probably many of us in the room here would say, I've been praying, Doug, for like three months now. That God would show up and do some amazing things in these very difficult, impossible situations. And I feel like nothing has changed. In fact, I could tell you, from my perspective, I feel like there are many things I've been asking God for that I just haven't seen any difference yet in. You're like, Doug, you're the pastor. You're not supposed to say that from the stage, right? But that's the reality. And sometimes we get frustrated when we don't see God do things as soon as we'd like to see him. In fact, sometimes it almost feels... Like we're trying to force God to do something he doesn't want to do when we ask him to move in power, you know? I don't know about you guys, but my kids have come home with a new phrase recently, and the phrase is this, two words, you won't, you won't, and they they just say that when they are going to try to sort of manipulate someone to doing something they don't really want to do. So my daughter, Brynn, will be like, hey guys, let's go play basketball. My boys will be like, nah, not right now. And she'll be like, let's go play basketball. You won't. And they're like, oh, when you put it that way, you know? And so then they go out and they play basketball. Um, It's a wonderful manipulation tool. So, uh, but things went downhill quickly because my boys get involved, you know? And so Cade's saying to Landon, hey, Landon, go run into that wall. You won't, you know? Or or Landon will say to Cade, hey, go drink from that puddle. You won't. And then they got really smart and they began to say, hey, dad, give us 20 bucks. You won't, you know? So, okay, I'm on to your game. I see what you're up to here. But sometimes when we are asking God to show up and do the impossible, it almost feels like we're going, hey, God, heal my wife. You won't. Or, hey, God, please come through in our marriage. Put it back together. You won't. You know, it's almost like, does it almost feel sometimes like, what do we got to do to, like, almost twist God's arm into coming through for us? Has it ever felt like that? You ever felt like, okay, maybe God does move in power, but I don't know that he's doing it for me. I'm so great, Doug. You've had these people come up to you and tell you that God has answered prayer, but I haven't seen that yet this year. Or maybe you might say, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. Am I doing it wrong? Am I missing something here? And so today I want to talk about this because I think it's very difficult. And I think sometimes when we expect God to move in power, and I kind of got up for three weeks and kind of built our faith and and built our expectation and said, let's believe God to do great things this year. And some of us came out of the gate, and man, January was like this month of praying for moving power. And I kind of challenged us, hey, what if we all pray at noon? What if we set, you know, little reminders on our phones to go off and, and we're expecting God? And many of you guys have been praying. And maybe some of you, you started to kind of turn that alarm off without even really uttering the prayer, you know? Or maybe you deleted it altogether. It's like, I've been doing this for a while and I haven't seen any results. I think what happens is sometimes we look at the Bible and we see guys like David or Moses or or the disciples and it's like, look what God did in their lives. Look at all these amazing things God did in their lives and through their lives. And we look at that and we look at our own lives and we're like, my life's nothing like that though. So if, if we're following the same God that David did and Moses did and all the disciples did, then why aren't we seeing what they're seeing? And what I want you to see today is I think we often misunderstand their experience. 
I think we take the Bible and we read it, and the Bible is God's words, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it should inspire us, and it should challenge us, but I think we misunderstand it sometimes. I think sometimes we think that our experience is the complete opposite of all the people in Scripture and their experience because they seem to see God do so much. It almost seems like some of them, if you read their story, it's just one big move in power. It's like God just keeps showing up and doing the impossible in their life. And then we look at us and it's like, like one time I prayed and I got a couple goosebumps and I guess that was God, but that's all I got, you know? So what's the deal? Where's the disconnect? How do we figure this out? I think some of it is just that we simply misunderstand what was really going on. Like we are reading our Bibles about things that happened thousands of years ago and if we were there walking with the disciples, walking with David and Moses, walking with some of these people, we might see a very different understanding of their lives and what they've actually gone through and been through. And I hope this encourages you and me today. That's my prayer, is that you will not stop praying, move in power, but that you'll get fired up about it again. That three months won't be enough. That you'll say, okay, no, 2018 is the year I'm going to believe God to move in power in my life, my church, and my community. And I hope today as we kind of explore some of these followers of Jesus in the Bible that we'll find encouragement at their experience and learn from how they had to persist and how they had to be consistent in their approaching God to see him come through and do some huge things. I said all throughout that series back in January, I don't want one of us to miss out on seeing God move in power this year. And so I'm praying that throughout this year as we kind of revisit this theme every few months, that we'll just come back around it and find new passion for it and new excitement for it. It's kind of like, you know, January, like Andrew mentioned last week when in his message, he did a great job, by the way, but that so often there's like the, you know, kickoff of the beginning of the new year with everybody going to the gym, although I wasn't there, i got to be honest, but everybody else was at the gym, everybody else trying to get healthy and exercise and all that, and then by like, you know, now it's pretty much back to normal, right? And I feel like that's some of us, that's what happened with some of us. We kicked off, 2018, ready to see God move in power. And it's kind of like now, like, yeah, kind of what I thought was going to happen, which was nothing. No, we gotta, we got to continue to seek God. And today we're going to find the encouragement, and we're going to realize we're not so different from the people that follow Jesus in the Bible. We're not so different. Our stories are not as different as maybe we thought they were. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here today because maybe one of the reasons you have a hard time believing in God and believing in Jesus is because you hear Christians say, well, I saw God do a miracle. I saw him show up. But you'd say, I I haven't seen that myself, though. And so today, I want us to kind of figure this out a little bit together. And I hope you'll listen in as we all kind of work forward toward seeing God move in power in our lives, yet navigating the times we don't see him move in power. Navigating the tension of, wow, God is huge and he can do anything, but he doesn't seem to be right now. And so we're going to discover some powerful things here this morning, I hope. So we're going to look at a guy named Paul. We can look at a lot of people to discover the key we're going to find today. But we're going to look at a guy here named Paul. And his story begins in Acts. And this guy named Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he detailed all these different things that happened in Paul's life. Now this is a little tricky, okay? So stick with me. Some of you guys are aware of this, some of you might not be, but Paul, when we first meet him, his name is Saul, same guy, okay? And a lot of us think that when Saul encountered Jesus and became a new person, his name was changed to Paul, but that's not true. Actually, Saul was his Hebrew name, and Paul was his Greek name, and the reason that his, his Greek name is used so often in the Bible is because he was mainly sent to the Greeks, mainly sent to the Gentiles or the non-Jews, right? But 11 times after Saul encounters Jesus, he's still called Saul, okay? So it's not a name change. It's just different 
Depending on what nationality you are, you call them a different name. I mean, I've got nicknames, you know. I'm Doug, I'm Freshy, I'm Dougie Fresh, I'm, I'm, I'm the bald master, if you ask my daughter. I've got all kinds of nicknames, you know. And so you would all understand those are all referring to me. No one would be in here going, who's Dougie Fresh today? It's me, I'm right here, right? Okay. And so same deal, Saul and Paul, same exact guy. And as we look at Saul's life or Paul's life, do you know what we so often think? We go, Doug. Why you got to bring him up? Because his life was just one big move in power. Like, it seems like all Saul experienced, all Paul experienced was miracle after miracle after miracle and God showing up. And we look at his life and we go, see, that's not me. I'm just so ordinary. And God doesn't seem to want to move in power in my life. Today, I want you to see, you're not that different from Saul. Not that different from this man, Paul, whose life was so changed and transformed by Jesus. Now, when we first meet Saul, many of you know, some of you may not, he hates Jesus. He hates Christians. In fact, he's putting them to death every chance he gets the opportunity. And this is where we pick up the story. In Acts chapter 9, you can read along with me on the screens. Verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, the way of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They had heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So Saul has this unbelievable experience, undeniable experience with Jesus. He's blind. He goes into the city. A man named Ananias hears from God. And Ananias is told, go pray for Saul. Now watch what happens. Verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 is huge. You ready? Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And here we are looking at Saul's story. We're like, see, Doug, as soon as Saul encounters Jesus, it's big. It's moving power. Right? I mean, we're almost jealous. I mean, maybe not the the blindness part, but we're almost jealous of this undeniable experience with Jesus and then this beautiful healing. And we go, that's not me. When I was like a little kid kneeling down on my knees with my parents and my family praying and asking Jesus to save me from my sin, I didn't have this flash of light and this healing. Right? And so we look at that, we just say, I I just seem, seem so big. But, but what we don't realize is if we keep looking through Acts chapter 9, we see that very soon after Saul follows Jesus, he encounters some moments where he really wished God would move in power, but God didn't. In fact, read verse 23 with me. Here we go. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. So Saul narrowly escapes with his life here, okay? And I don't know what Saul was thinking, but I know what I would have been thinking. I would have been thinking, God, I just had this huge over-the-top experience with you. You healed me from blindness. I've been telling everybody about who you are. God, I know, and this is where we struggle, guys. You ready? God, I know that if you snapped your fingers, you could make this problem go away. But here I am, looking like a coward, running away, escaping in a 
basket through a hole in a wall. Like, God, that's not very moving power. Can we at least make the escape a little bit more exciting? Could I, like, zip line through the hole and come out on the other side on top of one of those oversized eagles who flies me off to Mordor? Like, can we, can we get some of that going? No, but this isn't Lord of the Rings, right? This is real life. And so Saul has big conversion experience moment, and suddenly, wow, things start going wrong. See, that encourages me. Because I've seen God do some really great things, undeniable things, but I have also had many days where it just all seems so ordinary. And I sit there and I go, God, if you just slap, I mean, snap your fingers. I mean, you got this. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind, God, that if you spoke the word, everything in this situation would change. And yet here it feels like I'm going through a basket, through a wall. What is this about? Isn't it interesting that, that maybe Saul's experiences were a little closer to ours? That Saul had some disappointing days, that he had some, some days that he wasn't maybe as excited about, wow, look at what God's doing in this moment. No, no, I feel like he's not doing anything right now. You see, here's my goal for you today. My goal is not that you'd say, see, Saul experienced being disappointed by God too. I guess we should all just give up. No, my goal for you today is to say, wow, even Saul, like the guy who got the right part of the Bible, had quiet times, had disappointing times, but he kept going. He didn't stop. He continued to follow Jesus. And then we go, okay, Doug, I hear that, all right. Maybe, maybe. But, but then, Doug, look at verse 26, right? When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But look at verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Now, this is huge. Now Saul's hanging out with, like, the guys, like Peter. Remember Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends? An eyewitness to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Saul's not hanging out with him. And, and he's hanging out with James, who was the brother of Jesus, and, and we, we know James didn't even believe Jesus was God. I mean, because James grew up with him. He, like, saw him through braces and, you know, early adulthood and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus is going, hey, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And James is going, bro, I, kn- I saw you in diapers when you were a kid. You're not. Like, I know who you are, right? And then they kill Jesus and they put him in the ground. And Jesus comes back and he goes, what's up, James? James goes, you're God. <laughs> okay, I changed my mind, right? So Saul is hanging out with Peter and James. And again, we're like, ah, this is big again. So he goes from huge experience to, okay, runs for his life, but, but now, like in the next verses, like literally you go from verse 25, he's running through a wall, but 26 and 27, huge experience with Peter and James. What we don't realize, guys, I wish Luke told us this, is there are three years between verses 25, verses 26 and 27. Three years Paul waited to meet the big shots, Peter and James and the other apostles. You see, Luke is summarizing Paul's story. And sometimes when you summarize a story, you leave out some of the details, right? They get overlooked or, or for whatever reason, for time's sake, they get summarized. I'll give you an example. When I was 20 years old, I was driving with some friends and my family to the beach. And all of the adults were in my dad's car. They were driving in one car. And I had all the kids with me. We were in my mom's cool station. Where I kind of got a picture for you right here. We used to call this Bubbles. And you can tell why. We call it Bubbles. Kind of Bubbles out there at the end there. And so we were driving in Bubbles. And it was one of those Saturdays like everyone's going to the beach. And so it was horrible traffic. So it's bumper to bumper, stop and go. And the cars in front of me started going. And so I started going. And then they stopped. And I didn't stop. And so I smashed into the car in front of me. 
And I jump out of the car. My first thought was, oh, no, I hope my dad's car is far enough away that he didn't see what just happened. And sure enough, he was a, a few lanes up, off to the right, didn't have a clue what had happened. Then I look at the car. There was no damage because back when I was a kid, man, they used to make material. It was tank materials. Cars were literally made out of tanks. Like, like nuclear bomb, get in the car. We'll be fine, you know? Go, everybody jump in bubbles. We're going to be all right. We're going to make it through. Live to see another day, right? And so I get in the car. We start driving. I catch up to my dad in traffic. He rolls down his window. He goes, hey, sound like there was an accident back there or something. How close were you guys to that? I went pretty close and rolled up my window and drove away. <laughs> Summarizing, people. <laughs> And sometimes when you summarize, a big important detail gets left out. And I so wish Luke told us that there were three years that Paul had to wait. But he doesn't. In fact, it's Paul himself in Galatians chapter 1 says, hey, it took me three years to meet Peter and James and the other apostles. And we don't think about all that waiting. And we don't think about Paul knowing the reason Peter and James didn't want to meet him is because they were scared of him. Because Saul had a reputation to be putting Christians to death. So we don't think about that. All we think about is the move in power and God is working and God does work and he does move in power. But everybody has ordinary days. Everybody waits. Everybody goes, God, if you just snapped your fingers, this could all change and this could all end. Even Paul himself. I find great encouragement in that. I'm not alone in the times when I, I want to see God show up today and I want to see him do his thing today. And yet he says, no, Doug, just wait. It's okay. I'm still with you. I have you. I hear you. It's going to be all right, but, but just wait. And I think you and I continue on as we look through Scripture and we go, okay, so, so all right. I see moving power conversion. I see Paul running for his life. I see him meeting the apostles. But now I realize that took three years and and then we take out our, our iPad or our iPhone and we go four swipes to the right. And now we're in chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, right? We are in Acts chapter 9. Four swipes to the right, Acts, Acts chapter 13. And there we see Saul on his first missionary journey. And on this journey, he is healing people. I mean, all kinds of amazing things God's doing. And we're going, see, four chapters later, if you took your phone and you swiped to the right four times, it takes you about two seconds, Right? And so we're reading Saul's story, we're reading Paul's story, and we're like, wow, this is incredible. Wow, missionary journey and healing everybody. Just like, it feels like two seconds after he got saved, this, this is all happening. But you know what we don't realize? We don't realize that Paul got saved in probably around 34 AD, and his first missionary journey didn't happen until 48 AD. So it takes us two seconds to go four swipes to the right. It took Paul 14 years. But what about like all this moving power stuff? Yeah, it's all there. It all happened. But there were times Paul had to wait. And there were times he had to just keep on seeking God. And he keep on crying out. And he had to stay persistent. And he had his iPhone reminder going off every day at noon maybe. I don't know. Okay, wow, I've got to keep praying. Moving power. I've got to keep going. I don't know if that encourages me. I hope it encourages you. My goal today is not to say, well, guys, we started praying in the beginning of 2018 that God would move in power, so we've got to wait 14 years now for him. No. I just want you to know that it's normal for a follower of Jesus to want things to maybe move a little quicker than they do. But God is still God, and he's still faithful, and he still has us in the midst of those times. What if Paul had given up when he had to run for his life? He's like going through the hole in the wall in the basket going, this is not the life I was imagining as a Jesus follower, right? 
What if he'd given up there? Or what if he'd given up those three years when the apostles were so scared they wouldn't even meet him? Or what if they, he had given up waiting those 14 years for that missionary journey? I'm so glad that he was persistent. I was so glad that he zoomed out. See, that's the thing. We're so zoomed in on our pain sometimes and on what we don't have and what we know God could do that we just need to zoom out and start to go, okay, if I stay so focused on justice and God coming through like right now, I'm going to go crazy. But if I can zoom out and say, God, what have you done over the course of my life? What are you going to do over the course of my life? Not just these three months, not just this year, not just these five years. God, what are you going to do over the course of my life? We've got to get this long haul mentality. And some of us go, okay, well, but Doug, you just said Saul was on a missionary journey healing people. Great, awesome. Yeah, but it wasn't always like that. Some of you guys might say, well, yeah, but it feels like Paul was just impenetrable, man. His faith was so strong, and he just seems like a rock star, man. Who's going to mess with Paul? But will you read with me 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8? He says this about his own experience. This is Paul's own words. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul felt so burdened by what he was going through, he actually thought he was going to die. And then the verses go on, and Paul says, but God kept us, and he strengthened us, and he, and he enabled us to persevere in all this. But I hope you're seeing here that Paul had these dark times. In fact, theologians call a six-year length of Paul's life the silent years. And in those silent years, the guess is that he was going through these difficulties and these pains. You ever had silent years, silent seasons, silent months, maybe these last three months, with big expectations that God would come through? You've said, wow, it just seems like God is so quiet right now. It doesn't mean you're, you're praying wrong. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to come through for you, but just somebody else. It doesn't mean he doesn't do this kind of stuff anymore. It just means he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, and he's got some things that he can see that we can't. And he's going to continue to lead us forward. And as Paul was wrestling through this, he would have some high moments again, and God would use him in great ways. But does anybody know eventually what would happen to Paul? He'd be arrested. And he'd be put in jail. And there he is sitting in jail. And again, I don't know what Saul was thinking or Paul was thinking, but I can only imagine that as he's sitting there, if it were me, I could tell you I'd be going, God, get me out of here. There is so much to do. I have so much I want to do. There's so many more people I want to tell about you. God, I know, I know for a fact, God, that you opened a prison gate for Peter, and here I am stuck. Open my gate, God. There was Paul, sitting, seemingly rotting away. But do you know what God was doing when Paul was in prison? I think he actually used Paul in the biggest way ever when he was sitting in the prison cell. Because some of you know, as Paul was there, he, he started to write some letters to some friends, didn't he? And some of these friends were called the Ephesians. And some of them were called the Philippians. Some of these friends were called the Colossians. Another one was called Philemon. Those names sound familiar. It's because they're books of the Bible. You see, what Paul didn't realize is as he's sitting there writing letters to his friends in Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and to his buddy Philemon, he was literally writing the very words of Scripture. When everything was quiet, when everything seemed boring, when it seemed like God was least moving in power, I'd say he was most moving in power. 
Because now you and I today, thousands of years later, have a reliable, accurate document of what was going on in that early church and what Jesus did. And, and that those Christians in that time were convinced that Jesus had come back from the dead and was trustworthy. And here is Paul just, just waiting, not realizing all that God has done. Who knows? Guys, who knows what God is doing for you and me in those times when he's not moving in power, or at least it seems he's not. Some of you guys are like, man, I just feel like there's something different for me. God, I feel like, you know, here I am. I'm in this cubicle and this desk every day, and I feel like you have something different for me. And there's nothing wrong with a cubicle or a desk. I would take either right now. I don't even have an office, right? Okay, so I'll take it. And some of you guys thrive in the cubicle and desk, and that's why God put you on planet Earth, and you're right there in your sweet spot. But others might say, man, I just feel like God has something different. Not better, just different. But where is that? Who knows what God is doing in you and through you in that cubicle, in that desk? Who knows the lives he might want to change? Some of you students, ah, I just want to get done. That was me as a kid in school. I just want to get done. I just want to be big. I just want to get old. And then now I'm like, I want to be a kid again. You know? But you get, you know, I just want to get to life. You know, I'm here stuck in school. And man, who knew what God was doing in me? I could tell you what he was doing in me. He was preparing me. He was helping me. He was humbling me. He was purifying me. He was teaching me a lot. I don't know what he's doing in your life right now. Some of you feel stuck in that season of waiting for physical healing or provision to come through. Who knows what God's doing in those seasons? God heals and God provides, but who knows what he's doing while you wait? Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. We all struggle. We all feel discouraged at times. We all feel like God's taking too long sometimes. But he is faithful and he's good and he's going to come up with the right thing at the right time for you and for me. Don't get discouraged when you're sitting there going, man, I just wish we could go four swipes to the right, right? I wish we could get to the outcome. I wish we could get to Acts 13 of my life when I'm on the missionary journey and I'm healing and, and God's using me powerfully. Don't get discouraged as you wait. I think as I've been just studying through this and looking at my own life and the things I'm waiting on, things I'm believing God for, man, I, I just think zooming out is so big. And I think we get ourselves in trouble when we're so focused in on that little length of time when God maybe hasn't shown up yet. And I think really the heart of this message today, and I, I hope what you guys will take with you, is, is this thought. Is that asking God to move in power is a lifelong pursuit. It's a lifelong pursuit. It is not a three-month pursuit. It is not a, a five-year pursuit. It's not a ten-year pursuit. It is lifelong. Move in power is a long-haul prayer. It's a lifelong prayer. And at the end of our lives, we'll be able to look back and say, thank God I kept praying and asking God to move in power. Thank God I didn't give up. Thank God I didn't get too discouraged in the midst of it. Because, man, as I zoom out, and I don't just look at a season of my life, but I look at my whole life, I could see all the amazing ways he's moved. Do you see that's what you have to do with Paul? Paul could have said, man, I'm stuck in prison. Forget, forget God. Paul could have said, I'm running away from my life. Forget God. But thank God he didn't. Because of all the miracles he would see and all the healings he would see and, and the very words of Scripture, God would use him to write. And so we've got to keep our eyes on that long haul. I know that, that Paul was focused on the lifelong thing God would accomplish through him as he was going through that hole in the wall, as he was waiting those three years to meet the apostles, as he was waiting those 14 years for God to use him in a mighty way. And then as he was sitting in a prison cell, this is what we have to keep in mind as we wait for the loved one to be healed or the friend to be saved or the provision to come in or the marriage to be restored. So don't give up. 
Keep on praying. My prayer is you'll come out of here today and you'll be more fired up than you were on December 31st about this year, praying that God will move in power. Some of us might say, but Doug, what about Jesus? Like, wouldn't he be the one exception in the Bible? Because if you see Jesus' life, it's like one day he's healing and then like the crowds are following him so he keeps healing later in the day and then he like tries to get in a boat and escape everybody because he's just exhausted and they get to the other side and they somehow follow him around the lake and now he's still healing more people. He wakes up the next day and does it all over again. And what about Jesus? Do you remember Jesus waited 30 years before he lifted a finger? Jesus was for 30 years preparing, growing. God was doing in him all he needed to do so that Jesus could then spend only three and a half years, right, ministering to people and changing lives. And I just wonder, like think about Jesus. He's a little kid. He's at school, right? He's in the synagogue and he's learning. And, and what do they teach you at synagogue? They, they teach you the Old Testament, the scriptures. And here's Jesus looking probably at the scroll going, these are about me. I don't need to learn this. <laughs> I, I, I like wrote these. I inspired these through the Holy Spirit. And I don't need to learn this. Can we just get on with stuff? Or maybe as a teenager getting bullied or, or who knows, maybe some peer pressure from his friends. We know he was tempted in every way, Right? And Jesus going, can we just get on with this? I'm not here to be bullied and tempted. I'm here to save the world, right? And then being a young adult, he was probably his father Joseph's apprentice, making furniture, making, you know, doing, being a woodworker. I just wonder, as he was working with the wood, if he ever put his hand along a stretch of beam and thought about the cross and said, I'm not here to make furniture. I'm here to save the world. What am I doing? Spinning my wheels. But then, no one ever moved in power like Jesus once he got going. But even Jesus had to wait. Even Jesus had to wait. Jesus had three decades of ordinary life and three and a half years of one big move in power. And so what are you waiting on? What are you hoping God will do? This message is not meant for you to lower your expectations. It's meant for you to raise them and realize that we all have up days and down days. We all have disappointments and victories. And so as you continue to wait, as you continue to, to look through all this, my prayer is that you will say, okay, I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to give up. I might have to wait another year, another five years, another 10 years. But man, at the end of my life, I want to look back and say, wow, look what God did through my life. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to either. Would you read, read this with me on the screens? I would rather us have seasons of waiting and development and see God move over the course of our lives than get frustrated he didn't move on our timetable and give up. So please don't give up. The temptation is there. But let's keep on seeking God. And as we struggle with this, I would encourage you to jump into the Bible, open up God's Word, and read the stories and really look for what was going on in these people's lives. Because the truth is, everybody waited. Would you read this with me? There isn't one person in the Bible that God used in powerful ways that didn't have seasons of waiting. And as you begin to read Moses' story, David's story, decades of waiting. Jesus himself, Paul, high, low, high, low. But God used them so incredibly powerfully. We just can't discount those seasons of waiting and development and hanging in there. I'm sure most of us would, would agree that scaling a mountain and getting to the top 
would be like one of the most epic things you could do. Not like a little hill like we have around here. We're not going to Bald Hill today, right? I'm talking like huge mountain. Imagine that view. And we would think, man, that must be exhilarating. Imagine that. But do you know what happens if you talk to a serious mountain climber? You know what they'll tell you? They spend most of their day waiting. They're waiting for the sun to move so that they can climb in the shade. In fact, one guy who scaled one of the Himalayan mountains said he, he, he uh, I guess, estimated that he only spent 4% of his time actually climbing. But man, imagine the view once you're on top, right? What about space travel? I mean, that would be the most exciting thing in the world, right? Imagine flying to the moon, flying out there, looking back at the earth. How cool would that be? But do you know what one astronaut said? Look at this. His name is Gene Cernan. He said, funny thing happened on the way to the moon. Not much. And guys, that's life sometimes. And some of us want to give up on the way to the moon. But man, I'm so glad this guy didn't give up. I'm so glad he stood on that moon. He looked back at the earth. And he looked around and said, this was worth it. This was worth the wait. It was worth the hours. It was worth the training. It was worth the development. I'm so glad I didn't give up. And so if you're here today and you're feeling discouraged or you're feeling frustrated or you're not even a follower of Jesus and you're hearing about this God that actually does stuff and wants to be involved in our, in our lives and, and heal and show up and save and rescue, man, I just hope that we're all just drawn to a place of expectation. But we're also understanding the reality of the ups and the downs, of the good days and the bad days, of the waiting and the development and then the mountaintop and then the moon. And so I hope you're encouraged. Don't give up this year. Just zoom out. We just have to zoom out. We have to realize this is a lifelong pursuit. This is a lifelong prayer. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, what do you need to continue to seek him on? This Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to gather nearby. You sign up at the info desk and we're going to email you the address and we're just going to gather and just pray from 7 to 8 o'clock and we're just going to have a simple prayer. God, move in power. Move in power in our lives, our community, and our church. We did this back in January and it was great. Not a huge group. That's okay. Many of you come, we'll go for it. We just want to seek God and ask him to do the impossible in our lives. And so don't give up. What do you need to keep seeking him for? Maybe some of us need to reset that alarm to go off at noon every day. Maybe some of us need to set it for the first time and join everybody else. And if noon doesn't work for you, it's all good. Just pray whenever you can. But we got to get that expectation back. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the reason any of this is possible, the reason we can talk to God, the reason he wants to move in power in our lives is because Jesus died for us. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't rescue ourselves. We've done too many things that are wrong, myself at the top of the list. And so we need a savior. We need someone who could come and rescue us. And that's what Jesus did by dying in our place and rising back from the dead. If you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you a chance to just begin a conversation with him in just a minute. But I hope you're encouraged today and I hope you're inspired. Asking God to move in power is a lifelong pursuit. Let's pray. God, we need you. We want to see you. We want to be able to, at the end of our lives, stand on the moon, so to speak, look back and say, wow, look what God has done. But we know that's only going to happen, Lord, if you give us the grace to continue to stay consistent and persistent in the midst of the waiting periods and the, the silent years and the dark times and the days when it feels like we're just waiting and wanting so much more from you. And so I pray you'll help us in those moments not to lose heart and not to give up. If you're a follower of Jesus, what do you need to pray about? What do you need, God, to move in power in your life? Pray about that for a few minutes. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would just encourage you to quietly say something like this to Jesus. 
Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for removing my sin. And I just ask you to forgive me of all that I've done that's wrong and show me how real you are. God, show me what it looks like to have a relationship with you. Show me what it looks like to see you move in power in my life. Thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you for this gift of salvation. In your name I pray.